So today's video is going to be a conversation between myself and Nick from Indigo Traveler. If you've never seen this guy's videos before, they are some of the best travel content on YouTube, specifically because Nick travels to destinations that most people don't go to. He's been to places like North Korea, Somalia, Venezuela, Afghanistan, and his most recent series is in Yemen. We're going to talk about that series, as well as some of the more extreme places he's traveled to. We're also going to share a bit more of Nick's journey, how he got into traveling in the first place, how he got into YouTube in the first place, and some of the wisdom that he's picked up along the way. No sponsors for this podcast or anything like that. If you choose to support this kind of content, there's ways in the description that you can support. That's about it. Let's get right to it. Hope you enjoy the conversation. So Nick, I was telling a friend of mine a couple days ago that I was about to have this conversation with you. And this friend is someone who doesn't really watch travel YouTube, hasn't heard of Indigo Traveler, but I was, I was naming some of the countries you'd been to. And I could tell looking at my friend's face that they were like, wow, this must be a, this must be an extreme human being. And maybe in some ways you are, but something else I notice in your videos is you also come across as just a very everyday person. Do you feel like an everyday human being or do you feel like this travel journey you've been on has somehow changed you? Right. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you very much for the, for the kind words and for having me on your podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like a normal guy. So that's how I look at myself. So I would describe myself as that. That just happens to go to some of these places, you know. Let's let's talk a bit about that normal normal guy. We'll we'll definitely get to the unique travel destinations, but it I think it'd be interesting for people to know a bit about where you grew up. Okay, yeah, cool. So I'm sure on my videos you see me like uh from New Zealand and things, but I actually spent the first 9 years of my life living in Scotland. My mum's a New Zealander and my dad's uh English. And then when I was nine, I moved to New Zealand and that's why I don't have a Scottish accent, which is probably maybe easier for the audience, even though New Zealand's probably a difficult accent as well. So, um, yeah, moved to New Zealand when I was nine and then, uh, you know, grew up, you know, in the, in the mountains, riding bikes and, you know, doing the things that you do as a teenager and then eventually went on my travels in my, I think, early twenties and, uh, kind of never looked back from there, I guess. Was travel something that was part of your life from an early age? Like, would you and your family take trips? Was it was that part of your DNA? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we always took trips to, to when we were in Scotland to France and the classic English family kind of thing, you know, go to Spain and France. And then in New Zealand, uh, we went to Australia, but nowhere like too far. Um, but you know, my parents grew up traveling as well, and uh, my dad still travels a lot, so I guess it is kind of in the blood a little bit. You know, I, I've talked to a couple of Kiwis, and I think uh, maybe there's something to the geography of New Zealand being so far in the middle of nowhere that uh, I'm sure you've noticed how, how a lot of times it even gets left off the map. Yeah. There's this whole internet meme Got of like maps it. without New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm familiar with it. It's hilarious. Yeah. Like you'll go around the world and New Zealand's been forgotten. But 
maybe that's a good thing because it's not grabbing too much like bad attention maybe it's not like going to war with too many countries so people forget about it you know okay so you said the 20s you're in your 20s was when you really embarked on this travel journey that's right yeah how did how did you start out uh so well i did a couple trips to australia um just kind of like with some friends backpacking kind of things um but i was still like had a full-time life and job back home and then i decided you know i'd finished uh you know studying at the age of 21 or 22 something like that and uh did the classic back uh bangkok you know go to bangkok kosan road and then yeah, yeah. southeast asia and then you know after that eastern europe and other places and then went back earned more money kept doing it and then got to a point where i was thinking you know i want to keep traveling but i'd rather do it in a way where the travel and work kind of go together and i do like youtube videos and travel youtube videos and i i wanted to try them and at the time there weren't heaps and heaps of videos of like these off the beaten path kind of places. And, um, I thought, you know, maybe that's a little bit of a niche. So that kind of one thing led to another and the videos are in the beginning, I'm sure maybe you've seen them, but they're uh, pretty dreadful quality, but, uh, you know, that's how you learn, right? Now, now some, some YouTubers like to do a dirty trick where they go back to their oldest videos and delete them. <laughs> yeah, so, it makes, I mean, so it makes it look like they were a pro from the beginning. Do you have any uh, deleted era videos or does yours go right to the beginning? No, I mean, I, I, I believe that it somewhat, you know, keeps you humble uh, if you go back and, you know, some of those videos in the beginning. I mean, I look at them now and I'm thinking, you know, maybe what were you thinking? But I mean, they're all they're all part of it, of the greater story. Right. And uh, I mean, currently, I don't have any ambition to take them down or anything. I think that, that kind of cuts out a bit of the story and, you know. I don't really think there's anything too much to hide on there apart from the production quality, maybe. <laughs> I think for other people who might be considering starting their own YouTube journey, it's it's nice to be able to go back. It's nice to be able to sort the videos by the oldest and be like, hey, this guy who's making these epic mini docs in places like Yemen, your most recent series, you know, he started just like me, like just, you know, traveling with a backpack, trying to find a cheap hostel or whatever it might be, you know. <laughs> Exactly, man. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge, um, you know, that, that that's a good uh, point there, yeah. Now, I, I think we started YouTube at similar times, if we're, if we're thinking like 2015, 2016, something like that. Right. Did you have any YouTubers who inspired you at that point to get going? I mean, the, the, the everybody's classic would be Casey, right? Um, you know, he was a, a big part of my everyday because that was like the peak of his vlogging time, you know, and I'm sure that he's had an impact on your channel as well in the beginning. Oh, he, um, he's, so. he's just, uh, yeah, we, we all graduated from the Casey Neistat University in some way. Yeah, I mean, he completely changed vlogging for everybody. I mean, if you look at everybody's camera setups nowadays, that's because of him, right? I mean, the, the microphone and the tripod, like beforehand, people were using little cameras and he kind of created that so i think we all owe him like a huge thank you yeah. any other youtubers who inspired you at the beginning or maybe like along your way to be like wow look what these guys are doing i could try something like that yeah i mean of course the the other the other like uh, pioneers uh people like fun for louis and ben brown you know those guys were the the main travel guys at the time and they were you know the forefront of daily vlogging back then which is uh 
an insane thing is daily vlogging. I did it for a few months in 2017 and I almost died, but you know, it definitely makes you learn quickly. Oh yeah. People don't realize how much time just goes into the edits. Just the idea of daily vlogging for like a week just sounds like torture to me these days. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's, you, you don't really have a life when you're daily vlogging, you know, it's, uh, all consuming, but it's extremely beneficial. Um, I think for many reasons in YouTube, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it kills you. It's, I don't think it's healthy. Do you find even with, I mean, you're in a somewhat unique situation in that like you, your channel can take one or two months off and I think people know this is what I'm getting from Indigo Traveler. It, it'll be worth the wait. Right. Where a lot of other travel YouTubers feel the pressure to do, okay, one a week, two a week, something like that. Uh, with your content schedule, do you still feel sometimes like you don't have a life or did you do you find a way to get a good like YouTube and life balance? Um, well, I mean, that's very kind of you. Um, but yeah, of course, when I when I do take a, a couple months off, you'd still have to build back up and things. But um, mainly the reason for that is for like sanity, you know, because, you know, going into your question is um, these locations that I tend to choose are quite intense um, and they take a lot of like uh, planning and like it's a huge mental strain. Um, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love it. Like these experiences are life changing, you know, but um it does take quite a lot out of you. Um, so I tend to cycle it that way. So it's sustainable. Otherwise I won't be able to do it for as long as I want to, you know, now that we're, now that we're hinting about the destinations, let's get, let's get to what a lot of people probably clicked on this video to learn about. Um, I want to talk about North Korea. Mm -hmm. North Korea is one of those countries that almost doesn't feel real sometimes, you know, like I, I actually started my travel journey in South Korea. I moved to South Korea after school and I worked there as an English teacher for about eight months. Yeah. Really? So I was, I was living, you know, an hour from the border, you know, when you're in Seoul, you realize, yeah. oh damn, like North Korea is very close to us. And every once in a while, you know, they like to shoot their missiles into the ocean or whatever. And then it's yeah. all over the Korean news and as a, as a foreign guy, I was like, what's going on here? My, my parents were writing to me like, are you going to come home? You know, cause they saw something about North Korea. Mm. Uh, but if funny enough, the people in South Korea, they're like, ah, oh, they do this every two years. Like, this is no big deal. They were so yeah. relaxed about it. <laughs> right. And what um, year were you living there? This was, it's going to show how old I am. This was back in, I moved there in 20, 2013. Right. 2013. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and after that, after that experience, I uh, eventually quit that job because, well, reasons we don't have to get into, but quit that job, went backpacking through Southeast Asia, met some people who called themselves digital nomads and were just like working out of Thailand with their laptops. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm like, wait, this is a thing that people can do? <laughs> right. That's yeah. a, sort of a light bulb moment for me to get on the travel path. Nice one, man. Yeah. But uh, all that to say that North Korea is a country that has been on my mind for a long time. So I'd like to know a bit about what inspired you to go there and maybe what it was like making that trip happen. Yeah, I mean, I, like you say, North Korea seems surreal and I think everybody has uh, some kind of a low-key obsession with it because it's just extremely fascinating, you know? Um, it just seems like another planet and it definitely is when you're on the ground 
you know um, even though you are doing a guided tour and you're seeing what the government's letting you see it still is a very surreal place and so that's what uh, attracted to me uh, me to it and I guess I can't remember I'm just thinking like where I first heard it was possible to go and as soon as I heard that it was possible I was started to make arrangements you know and uh, I found a company that you know goes there out of England and uh, kind of booked it I was really surprised it was like 1500 euros or something for nine days and it was called the the budget tour Plus flights, right? Fly yourself there and then 1500 Uh Yeah, so to Beijing and then they handle everything from Beijing. Oh, so. wow. Mm. So that's not out of reach for the average person. I mean, or at least the average traveler. No, I mean, definitely not. I mean, I think it's very reasonable and it's all food and everything included. You only have to take money if you want to buy like gifts or something like that. So it's, you know, it's a good price. Would would you recommend it? Looking back now, a few years later, are you like North Korea? I would recommend that. Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to like go on advising people to go or to not go anywhere. Um, you know, it's not necessarily my position, but what I would say is that uh, it was a really great experience for me. And if you want to experience life <laughs> as far as you can get to space, uh, you know, without going to space on this planet, then uh, you know, North Korea definitely is uh, a fascinating place and you're completely disconnected. You've got no connection to, you know, media, music, anything, everything is just in that moment. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's all consuming um, in a good way. Of course, you hear the horror stories of bad things happening, uh, but, you know, common sense and listen to the rules and stay within those rules. And uh, I happen to get out of it well, so that's all I can really offer. Were they suspicious of your camera? Uh, so when I took my camera, I uh, took the microphone off and took a, a little tripod and then just put on like these sticky little muffs for the microphone. And no, because everybody had cameras, you know, and they kind of say, you know, take photos where you can and you can't take photos. But they were pretty liberal with the photo taken. It didn't really seem to mind much. And is there ever a situation maybe... This could speak more broadly to any video you've made, but uh, I think North Korea is a classic example where does it ever go through your mind after the trip is done? Hmm, what if someone from the government sees this video and doesn't like the way it's portrayed? Is, is, that, is that something you consider? Yeah, of course. Um, funny story about that, actually. I'm sure you know as a YouTuber, you can go into your demographics and you can see like the uh, what countries have watched your videos and things and like for how how many minutes and I, I went on and I checked and at one stage I saw on the North Korea video that somebody from inside North Korea had viewed it and normally that doesn't show up on anything and I you know because obviously they don't have internet there apart from high people in the government uh, so it showed up as as North Korea and then I went back later to check it out and it was gone so that's like I have no idea like the the, the data from North Korea disappeared so yeah, I mean, it, of course it's concerning, but I, I don't necessarily think it would be a problem once you're out the country. Um, but once you're in the country, of course, then you never know what can happen. Kim Jong-un watching with the, uh, with the VPN. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to North Korea, did you feel as though what you're seeing was an illusion 
and that there was a completely different reality outside of what you were seeing? Uh, yeah, I mean, really loaded question. And, you know, it's uh, something that I, that, uh, you know, in the comments section, it's definitely something where people go hard, um, you know, and uh, fight amongst themselves and then, you know, accusing of working for the government and these kind of things. But uh, of course, I would assume that, yeah, I think I would say, you know, obviously that outside of what we were showing, there's things going on, bad or good. Um, and obviously, we've we've heard about the people that have escaped from North Korea, refugees, etc. So, I mean, I'm not really one to deny that, you know, I'm sure that there's some horrors happening. Um, but yeah, that's all I saw when I was there was the, the things that they wanted me to see. Well, I think that answer in some ways is indicative of like the philosophy you've kept through most of your work, which is, you know, the politics will always be there, but that's not what you're showing. You're showing a more, more human experience. Is, is that, is that how you would think about it as well? I try to, yeah, really. Um, I don't think it's for my videos, at least necessary for me to put in my two cents of the political situation. Um, I like to let the people say what they want to say about the politics and, um, you know, they live there after all, so they can talk about it. Um, and then let the audience decide what they want to do with that information, you know? Let, let's switch gears a bit. Another one that is very unique is your work in Afghanistan. Uh, and when it, when it comes to a trip like North Korea, okay, arguably you could say the reality of the country is outside of the scope, or at least there is another side of it that you're not seeing. When it came to the Afghanistan series, you were seeing a lot of things that, even as a viewer, I mean, I, I found it emotionally difficult watching that content, and I'm sure a lot of people did. Uh, it was the reality of that country was right in front of us and right in front of you. Um, how, how did that trip come together? Yeah, I mean, like you say, Afghanistan is a very emotionally captivating place and uh, especially with recent events but how that trip came came to be was uh i was in venezuela um making videos in patare which is like the, the largest slum in latin america and uh we were showing some like uh, soup kitchens and like local charity work there and things and then i saw uh, some school kids wearing unicef backpacks and uh, I've no, I, I had noticed in my travels previously that, you know, I've seen a lot of UNICEF banners and, and programs and backpacks and, you know, things to help out children and, and developing countries. And I just mentioned, you know, a passing comment just saying, you know, I see a lot of UNICEF, uh, you know, signage and, and things and, and places where people are having a hard time. And, you know, I just said it as a passing comment and then you know, a couple of weeks later, I get contacted by UNICEF and they say, oh, we've seen your video and would you be interested in working with me and I mean, with us? And I just thought it was, uh, you know, I was overwhelmed with the opportunity and jumped at it. You know, it's a, a real privilege for me to be able to do that. And that led to gaining that access into Afghanistan where we had so many resources and, and the access in the places that, you know, otherwise would have been too much. So that's kind of how that Afghanistan trip came to be. Isn't that kind of mind-blowing that we're at a point in history where UNICEF is working with travel YouTubers? <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. 
though though I actually I hesitate to call you a travel YouTuber in that this is another speaking of debates in your comment section this is another one people I'm seeing the word journalist being mentioned more and more often is, is that a word that you identify with do you still consider yourself what you started out as perhaps the guy making the travel videos inspired by the earlier YouTubers or do you see your mission as something closer to journalism at this point? I mean, I, I wouldn't say that my videos are like they were when I first started. Um, they definitely is a bit of a different direction. Um, generally, I don't want to put like a label on it um, per se, because maybe that's boxing myself in um, because there's different aspects of all these medias that I think offer so much. Uh, so like maybe journalism, it's really interesting to hear like how the situation is in the country with maybe economy and conflict and things. But then maybe with the travel blogging, you have just like interactions with people, which is like extremely valuable. So I think like a hybrid of these things is is great. So maybe, you know, I don't know if I want to put a label on it specifically, right? Yeah, fair enough. And it's uh, I mean, it's important to remember this media is so new. We don't we don't really always have the words mm -hmm. for what what is being done <laughs> yeah exactly and i mean to to try and pigeonhole in you know these things into to a category maybe that we would be selling ourselves short then before we move on from the unicef uh part of things i think it's very important to mention the charity work that you've done uh in afghanistan in particular but i know you have i know you've actually done multiple campaigns raising money at this by this point but the afghanistan one if I'm correct, you raised over two hundred thousand dollars with that with that partnership with UNICEF. Yeah, that that's right. I was very lucky to have the opportunity to to work with UNICEF, and it, it paid off quite well. So that's a you know it's a dream come true. I mean, it's a it's a testament not just to the work you did, but I suppose to the power of the community who's who's watching. And uh, yeah, it's just yeah that makes me really optimistic that work like yours can can lead to an outcome like that do you, do you have any thoughts on just that side of what you're doing i just think it's absolutely incredible to have have the audience and you know the few campaigns i've done it's been overwhelming response and people have opened their hearts and supported people in need and you know and i do keep up to date with these campaigns that i do and it's just to see the difference in people's lives it's uh it's beautiful and you know, everybody that watches the videos is a part of that. Even if they don't donate, just watching it is giving awareness to these issues. It's, uh, I'm very fortunate to be in the position I'm in. Switching gears a little bit, I, you know, I, I think I mentioned to you, I went on an Indigo Traveler binge watch just to, uh, just to remember some of the great trips you've done over the years. And right. one, one of them I watched was in your Somalia series. And there's this great moment in one of your episodes where there's, you know, you know, and this happens so often when you're walking down the street and someone, I mean, there's always people trying to stop you and talk to you. It's one of the great things. It's like a story within the story. There's always these right. people around you <laughs> just trying yeah. to get your attention, trying to sell you something or whatever. Uh -huh. But there's this guy who barely spoke English and he was talking to you about New Zealand, right? Yeah, he, I know exactly the guy. And about. he said something. He said this beautiful quote. He in his broken English, he just stopped you. He's like, "All humans, brothers. Yeah. All humans, brothers." 
It's absolutely incredible. That guy, yeah, he's amazing. Abdullah, I think his name was. Oh, great that great that you remember his name. Uh, it's. Do you feel that way? Not to get too philosophical here, but do you feel that way after all the travels you've taken that we're all brothers and sisters or what have you? Like we're all connected in some deeper way than a lot of people might realize. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, of course we've got ideologies, maybe religion or just the way we see the world, um, gender, race, all these things, but it's not too hard to find something that you guys, like that anybody from any part of the world can meet up with somebody on the other side of the world and, you know, share common ground and, you know, have a cup of tea, have a chat. You'll get on with everybody. I mean, most people. Any other, is, is that a good trip to, to chat for a bit about the Somalia one? Uh, or I guess more specifically, what's the term for that region inside of Somalia? Yeah, so, you know, Somalia is uh, the, the country recognized internationally, um, but Somalia is broken into um, sections and the, the one I was in was in uh, Somaliland, uh, which is, you know, different uh, currency and different... Um, different government so yeah it's it's its own country but you know that's a political statement obviously but uh they're separate um in many ways at least other than the the fellow i just mentioned any any standout memories from that trip uh just i just remember uh going to the gulf of aden uh and then we had uh some yemeni food because it's right across from uh, you know, across the Gulf, Yemen is from Somaliland. And, uh, you know, just looking out over the sunset. And it's one of those moments where you just pinch yourself to believe where you are in the world, you know. So, you know, in Somalia, looking across to Yemen, like, it's magic. Man, I had that I had that experience the first time I visited India. And I went to the southern Indian state, Kerala, which uh -huh. is just a beautiful part of the world. And it's it's very different than people might imagine India to be. And I just remember looking out over the water, seeing the sunset being like, damn, like this is India. I can't believe it. Yeah, but man. You must have that experience like over and over and over. Like, I can't believe this is insert country name. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, like I say, I'm fortunate, but I mean, what, how did you like India? Cause I mean, India, I call it the travel university. Like you graduate from there and you're pretty much, good to go you know the travel university that's that's probably a good way to think about india it's uh pe people will sometimes ask like it do, do you recommend india and as you as you mentioned with north korea it's hard to recommend anywhere exactly because it depends so much on your personality mm -hmm. but i would say if you're willing to go without any expectation and just to take things slow india is the best place to just experience the pace of life you know, just to, uh -huh. just to slow down and just learn yeah. what this life is all about. Yeah. I mean, India is a, it's uh it's hard. It's very hard as you know, to travel there. And um, no matter how much you think you're going to be prepared to go, you're probably not going to be as prepared as, you know, to be able to handle that. And you will be frustrated and, you know, maybe sometimes it gets a bit too much overwhelming. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, many travelers have a, a love-hate relationship with India. Um, but at the end of the day, it's 
teaches you so many lessons and there's incredible culture there you know so diverse and the people are you know that <laughs> i can't explain the people there there's so many things you know they're they're incredible and they'll really show yourself to you i think it's funny how sometimes as you're in a country it's actually like really really stressful and difficult but then when you look back you're like oh those were the best times exactly <laughs> like th that those six hours waiting for that bus that was never showing up like that oh that was that was great <laughs> but when you're having that moment y you can hate it <laughs> yeah man i mean time doesn't exist in india so <laughs> you met you mentioned something in your most recent video uh or at least your most recent series which is yemen mm -hmm. and early in that video you said something like this trip is three years in the making right <laughs> and when i hear that and when a lot of people hear that it probably seems it's like wow three three years like how what could take three years what sort of logistics goes into going to some of these places what, what is the major roadblock or like maybe you could walk through a few of the steps in terms of like you have this idea of going to Yemen and then you're making it happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, some of these, uh, you know, these kind of extreme countries, they can happen really quickly. And then other ones like Yemen, I've wanted to go there for a very long time. And uh, even talking to UNICEF, I've asked them if they can get me there and they say, no, we can't, that, we can't make that happen because it's too dangerous. And even with the security that they provide, because in Afghanistan, they provided so much security for me and things, but they, they denied, they said, Yemen's too dangerous. And so, you know, when you're, when you're hearing that, of course, you think, well, maybe it's a bit much, but you know, you really have to talk to people who have traveled there before. And I was lucky enough to be contacted by, uh, if you've seen the video uh, in Yemen, you've seen Jordan and he's an American guy. And he's a part of like this online forum where they help people get into countries. And he contacted me, you know, three years ago and, and, uh, we've been trying to figure out it out ever since. And we did, we've been trying to go multiple times that didn't work. And, you know, three years ago, and then we tried obviously last year, didn't work out because, you know, COVID and then this year it didn't happen, but then it was going to happen. And then it didn't again. And then like a month before the trip, he's like, you still keen? I'm like, yeah, of course. And he's like, all right, let's do it. And then it was the, we, we booked our flights and then they canceled the permit. So then we're like, oh, it might not happen. I was like, okay, maybe I'll go to another country. And then we got another permit. And it's just because like these countries, you know, the situation in these countries is so fragile that things change so rapidly. Um, you know, Yemen has problems with electricity and extreme poverty, you know? So to think about something like tourism visas, it's not something that is at the top of their agenda, right? Because they can't feed their people. They're not too worried about tourists. So yeah, ultimately just pushing and pushing and pushing and got there. And that's what I've similar with Libya was two years. It's just pushing and pushing and pushing until you go, you know, just hold on to the dream of going there and uh, hopefully eventually it will happen. So that was the case there. And once you're there in terms of traveling in a way that is, you know, relatively safe and responsible, 
I noticed you use the term fixer in some of your videos. You have a guy or whoever who is a fixer who is, uh, and of course there could be security personnel. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe you could say a few words about like what makes a good fixer and how you even find the right person for some of these trips you take. Yeah, well, for me specifically, uh, I want to find somebody who has like a reasonable level of English so they can help translate. And uh, ideally, they're kind of like a, a funny, charismatic guy. And, uh, you know, I've, I've met some incredible people on my travels that have been just that. And uh, Kai's in Yemen was definitely one of those and very confident. You want somebody that can handle themselves in tricky situations and they can talk well if needed. Um, so I think that makes a good fixer and somebody who understands the country very well and uh, knows their way around and is street smart. We didn't have any military or any security personnel in Yemen. Uh, it's, it's, it's a catch 22 because you don't want to be like drawing attention by having heaps of people around you, but you want to have enough. So we did pick up his Kalashnikov, uh, on, on, on the road. And he said, I said, what's that for? He said, we call them kidnappers. And I was like, okay. He's like, they probably won't come near us with a gun, but if we don't have one, then it's just a bit risky. So it's best to have one. So, yeah. There's definitely a level of trust when you are going to some of these places and you're trusting that this person, I suppose, is who they say they are. Would most of these fixers have a long history of doing this and sort of a track record to follow? Because uh, I know myself and probably i'm sure you and most people who are making online content you always get people messaging you oh come to somalia come to india and uh, I'll, I'll give you a place to stay but it, it's hard from your position to be like like will they is this person real like yeah that's true i mean to be fair a lot of my contacts uh, have come from messenger uh sorry like uh instagram dms and emails and things uh I do, you know, I, I talk to them a little bit and see how they are and sometimes have a chat just to really feel it out. But uh, I guess I am generally pretty trusting. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess generally it seems to have worked out so far. Um, but yeah, in this case in Yemen, it was um, my friend Jordan vouched for this guy. So I went with it. That's cool. That's, that's cool. Yeah. And it's, that's one of the big tr lessons of travel, isn't it? If it's, there's a, it's, it's a tough thing to communicate sometimes because you don't, you don't want to inspire people to be reckless. And I, I, I have noticed at least in one of your videos, you gave sort of a, you know, you, you, you touched on that point. Like, listen, I'm going to extreme places. I understand the risk. If anything happens, it's on me. Like I, I've, I'm aware of the situation. Uh, so do you ever feel that tension between like wanting to show the world in a positive light, wanting to show like, Hey, these places aren't as bad as you might think, but then also being like, but there's still the human tragedy. There still are, are the kidnappings. There still are the things happening. Do you ever feel like kind of caught in the middle of these two realities? Uh, not necessarily because, you know, like, as you say, I've touched on it a few times in the videos and um i tell people you know that i'm taking a risk and these countries aren't this i'm not telling you to travel to these places right now i'm making a video and meeting people and letting them share their story and if you want to come that's completely your choice it's your risk and if anything was to happen to you of course you've got to understand that that's 
you putting yourself in that situation. So I draw the line, um, you know, quite easily there. Um, you know, anybody can impersonate something they see on the internet. So, I mean, I can't necessarily take too much responsibility for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, in the, in the same way that people like us could watch Casey Neistat and be like, Oh, Hey, this looks cool. I could do that. <laughs> there's probably, there's probably some young teenager, probably yeah. some young teenager watching you and being like, Hey, Nick's doing this. I could go to, I could go to Syria and just <laughs> right. not, maybe not fully considering the fixer situation. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I would hope that, you know, anyone out there watching your content or listening to this will, uh, you know, see the other side of what you're doing, which is, you know, the, the months or even years of planning that goes into some of the trips, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely hope so. And again, I'm not encouraging people to, to travel anywhere. I mean, it's completely off their back. And at the same time, I'm not, uh, discouraging them either. I think if they want to do it and they think they can do it, then you know, all power to them. I have another question to, to lead into this. I want to share a little story that happened in my, in my own travel journey. Um, yeah, you know, I mentioned living in Korea after that I was at, you know, like most people, when you're new at traveling, you just do whatever you can to keep traveling. You know, I was also very much a budget traveler and the way I managed to travel through Europe was I got a working visa to France. So I was living in France for a while. I got a job as a bartender at an Irish pub in Paris, and that was my reality for almost six months. Nice um, after that, well, I'd like to say I saved money, but actually Paris is too damn expensive. I didn't save anything, but uh, it did get me to Europe, and then I traveled through Europe and eventually traveled down to Morocco in northern Africa, right. which was a pretty big trip for me on my journey in that it was the first time going to... Africa and it was also my first time going to a predominantly like Islamic country mm-hmm. I don't want to say I was like it's saying I was afraid might be too strong a word but I definitely grew up with a culture that has certain preconceptions about what it means to visit Africa and what it means to visit you know the the Muslim world or something like mm-hmm. that you know one of my earliest memories September 11th perhaps like this whole time period, we, we all had these, uh, conceptions ingrained in our minds. So I I was there not, not afraid, but I came very hesitant. I was there like kind of on guard, like, what will they think of me? This, like, you know, this white skinned Canadian guy, what what are they going to think about me there? And the hospitality I experienced in Morocco was like some of the greatest I've experienced in the world. And I just, time and time again, I had these experiences, these moments with people that showed me, you know, you should not think, you know, a country until you visit it. You should not think, you know, a people until you, until you meet them. Mm -hmm. And it really opened my eyes to how travel can show you the truth and how travel can broaden your perspective. Um, have you had experiences like that? Have you had experiences where travel has shown you what a country is really all about yeah i mean that's every country i go to you know like uh seen as we're on on the topic of yemen that's a a similar thing i mean you know i've been doing this for a few years now but still every time it's a it's a surprise um in this case it was very positive of course the country's facing the worst humanitarian crisis in the world but the people there were just extremely hospitable 
and open and and friendly and welcoming and wanting to be filmed and wanting to talk and just the the kindest sweetest people you'll meet you know and uh again like the islam thing you know of course it gets a bad rap uh in the western world but uh you know uh islamic people are some of the most hospitable people that you'll meet and they'll always go out of their way to make sure that you're you have everything you need whether that's uh, a drink or food or a bed to sleep you know like i can't count how many times i've been offered for places to stay and uh you know i can't say enough good things about these people you know yeah and by all means i hope i hope if any moroccan is listening they don't they don't take my words the wrong way i i think it's something that to be to be honest a lot of travelers a lot a lot of people learn through travel you know you 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 know what you've been around and you don't know what you haven't been around which is mm-hmm. why some of these places like somalia north korea if if you have not been there and you don't know anyone who's been there you only really know what the media is telling you yeah. and unfortunately the media oftentimes now i maybe you you don't want to speak to this cuz you don't want to get political but I, i'll i'll come out and say it they're they're just painting a narrative that is very removed from reality they're they're focusing on the worst elements of humanity and not the actual full story of what's happening right yeah i think the thing is is that um when media is reporting you know maybe the, the the things are happening that that you see on the news but uh the part of the picture that's often left out is the the rest of the country right and i understand they have to um they have to tell the story of the specific things and of course it does help uh bring awareness to things and often charity and donations and things but uh you know like you say there's always a whole another side to a, to a country than than just the bad parts other than what we've touched on and obviously this is a big question but how has travel changed you as a human being yeah i mean i would say significantly i mean i don't really think it's uh, possible to travel for you know many years and go to some off the beaten path places to not have have changed you know better or for worse but uh i like to think for better uh you know how do i say like you're able to look at things from different perspectives um maybe from perspectives of these parts of the world that you travel to rather than you know we generally look at things from you know our landmass but then you can look back when you go to these countries so it creates this this cool kind of uh you know i think it really helps you unite with the world right and it and it decreases fear of the unknown and and of uh people and religions and uh cultures that you like you say when you went to Morocco I was similar when I went to Egypt um before I went to e- Egypt was uh, my first african country and uh there was a terrorist attack beforehand I was freaking out like big time there was a state of emergency um but where I was in Egypt there was no problems and I quickly realized that and you know mind expanding right Is Egypt a place that you would recommend? I mean, I I I saw one of your Egypt videos where well, <laughs> like a lot of countries actually, it's a place that has a lot of salesmen, right? It's a place where they they love to and Morocco has that element as well. They'll they'll follow you down the street and, "Hello my friend, what's your name? Where are you from?" <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah. come, come buy my carpet. Come see my shop. And yeah, you're, you're yeah. Try, trying to explain to this guy, hey, I have a backpack that I'm living out of. I can't buy this like 50-pound carpet. But sometimes they, they find a way to convince you that you want yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They're good at what they do. <laughs> yeah. Is that, uh, was Egypt overall like a positive experience for you? Overall, definitely a positive experience. So, so much that I went back, I think a year or two later. But uh, there is a huge issue there with hustlers. But I, a friend of mine told me lately that they brought in a new law. It's like an anti-harassment law for tourists. And I actually did visit there recently um, just for a layover. And it's significantly died down, the, the whole hustling and following you for 15 blocks, you know. So that's, that's for the better. But Egypt as a whole is an absolutely incredible country. You know, it lives up to the hype and some. Nick, are you a... Uh... Are you a th are you a thrill seeker? Is that is that part of where this um, extreme side of your journeys comes from? Is part of it is part of it like uh, not not to minimize what you're doing? Don't take it the wrong way, but is part of it like okay, I've taken this level. Like, what's the next level? Well, I mean, thrill seeker. Sure, there's a a part of me that's into thrills, like I like extreme sports and things, and you know you know, pushing the limits a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know, necessarily trying to, to top myself because maybe that would end and, uh, you know, that wouldn't end well. I mean, you know, I've been there before, but I think uh, I do, you know, of course I, I'm pushing my limits and I am risking uh, quite a bit when I go to these places. There's nobody can argue that. And uh, I do think about it a lot, you know, before I'm going and questioning. Um, but I do like to trust my gut, and uh, if I feel okay about something, then I'll I'll go for it. There's been times, maybe in the past, with certain things where I've changed my mind, maybe. Um, but yeah, generally, yeah, of course, I, I'm a bit of a thrill seeker, but I tried to manage risk at least. I, I suppose that's all a traveler can do, right? It's trust your gut and trust your comfort zone. And for some people, that's a very different zone than for others. Of course. Your, com yeah. your comfort zone seems to be pretty much every square foot of this earth. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, Nick, I want to, I want to be respectful of your time and not, not go on too long, but, uh, I, w I wanted to give you a chance to, to speak of any journey that you've taken that is outside the ones I've touched on something that is particularly meaningful to you. Yeah, sure. Venezuela, uh, seen as we haven't touched on that that's a huge place in my heart um just because of the situation there i was there in 2019 and uh you know the people there have been facing hell for a long time and uh yeah i mean just the the refugee crisis there it's like I, last time i checked it was six million people have left the country um probably more now the average wage is like three dollars a month last time I checked or so it's just absolutely dire circumstances and um you know great people again and yeah I just uh my heart's always with them and I I hope that they uh they're very strong people so I know that they'll get through it but I just hope that that's soon and you're being too humble to mention it but I believe you did a you did a charity work in Venezuela as well yes fortunate enough to meet up with a local soup kitchen and uh yeah do a bit of fundraising 
That's awesome. Uh, it's yeah, Venezuela. I'm I'm actually taking it. My next trip is going to be down to to Central America. I'm going to Guatemala next month. Oh wow, nice. And man. Uh, flying on a one way ticket and just trying to perhaps make my way further further south and maybe down to South America. COVID makes things a bit uncertain, so we'll we'll have to see like how the next few months play out in general with restrictions and stuff. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Latin America generally has been one of the most open. I did a trip there recently this this year, Brazil and Honduras. Uh, but I think generally Latin America seems to be one of the most like the least restricted places. So I think it should be good. That's amazing. Guatemala is a incredible country. Well, Nick, I have a I have a question that I wanna. I want to end with, but and anything else we haven't really been talking about that you'd like to get out to anything else on your mind at the moment? All I can, can say from my, you know, my humble opinion would be, you know, live and let live. That's all I can really say. Live and let live. Well said. Well said, well said. Yeah, it's... <laughs> You know, you sometimes wish that uh, this is a political statement, of course, but you sometimes wish these politicians and the, the people would just have the experience of traveling, you know, like the people who are so quick to try to attack another group of people or try to just minimize what's going on somewhere. You, you sometimes feel like, I mean, man, I'll, I'll come out and say it. If, if Donald Trump had actually traveled through Mexico, like he would never be saying the things he's saying. If, if these people actually knew the cultures that they're talking about, they, they'd be ashamed to behave that way. But it's like people are just in a bubble of what they know and travel can help you expand past that bubble. To be fair, I think we're all just living completely different experiences and, and uh, we're on different journeys. And at the end of the day, I think everybody's just a product of their their upbringing and their surroundings and, uh, you know, everybody moves at their own pace, but yeah, I mean, for me, travel has definitely broadened my, uh, perspective. That's a very, uh, Buddhist way to look at it. <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to get, say before we go is that if anyone's been enjoying this conversation, um, Nick has a Patreon account, which again, he's going to be too humble to mention, but, uh, He's got a Patreon account where you occasionally do Q and A's over there, right? Yeah, yeah, I do one like I try to do one like every month or so or after a series. So, so if someone out there is one of Nick's fans and you're saying to yourself, "Well, who is this stupid podcaster and why why didn't he ask the questions I wanted to hear answered?" Then uh, you know where to go if you wanna if you wanna get more answers out of Nick. And I think it is a way to support work that you're enjoying, and it is a way to say like, "Listen, I see this guy." taking these trips that you don't see a lot of on YouTube, you know, something that something that is truly unique in this, in this media landscape. And I think Patreon and stuff like that is a, a great way to support. So that's very kind of you, man. I appreciate it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really content with, you know, people just watching the videos or things like this. And uh, to go back uh, on what you said about yourself, these questions have been absolutely great. So, you know, you don't have to, doubt that for a second <laughs> i appreciate that man uh you know viewers of my channel will know i'm i'm always uh <laughs> always with the self-deprecating humor i always 
a good way to be. Yeah, I mean, I think life's about not taking yourself too seriously. Uh, 100%. I think you've, you managed to not take yourself too seriously, even when you're in some really serious places. So that's, that's one thing that's really enjoyable about your videos. Thank you very much. It's very nice of you. Cool. Any last words here? Any, any recommendations or any, uh, I don't know, favorite Netflix shows or anything for the audience to check out? I would recommend that you subscribe to the new travel podcast right now. That's all I can say. Uh, cheers, man. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun, Nick. Hope we, uh, hope we meet and have a beer sometime in person. Yeah, man. I appreciate it big time. Thanks for having me. So that was it. My conversation with Indigo Traveler. You know, I didn't realize until I was actually reviewing the footage that he raised over $300,000 for Venezuela with his video series. Uh, you know, that's going to a food kitchen in Venezuela, quite literally saving lives, quite literally saving lives through YouTube videos. And like, what a humble guy too. Whenever, when I brought it up, he's just like, yeah, you know, raise a, raise, raise a bit of money down there. Next question. <laughs> oh man. It really makes you think, doesn't it? Like, what's possible? Sometimes I feel that YouTube can be whatever we want it to be. It can be simple travel videos where we're just showing a destination and someone who's planning the trip can, uh, you know, get a bit excited to go there and do the same things. Or it can be something very, very different. If you choose to try and do something really meaningful with your platform, I mean, the chance is there. It's just communication. It's just broadcasting video. Uh, even something like this, I don't know, like this isn't really a typical travel video. I was thinking, will anyone want to listen to an hour long conversation? But I think they will. And I think this kind of video can be powerful as well. Just like seeing or experiencing your own travel trip, listening to two people or three people or whatever, listening to a group of travelers talk can really inspire you on your own journey. I know some of my favorite travel moments pre-COVID were just going to hostels and listening to other more experienced travelers than me. If you have other suggestions for guests I could have on this program, leave a comment, let me know. It could be a travel YouTuber. It could be, uh, it could be anyone. It could just be any interesting person. Um, and yeah, once again, if you choose to, there are links that can show you how to support this content. Buy me a bagel, buy me a coffee. And yeah, let me know what you think of this long form content. Content, content. I suppose because you made it to the end of the video, you probably enjoyed it. If you didn't, you probably, probably gone by now. Unless you were sneaking, you used the time code, you just skipped ahead to the outro. I know some of you do that. But then again, why would you want to skip ahead to this random rambling at the end? Like there's no... Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, everyone out there in the travel universe, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying sane. I know a lot of us haven't been traveling as much as we would like to, given the world circumstances. Keep the hope, okay? Keep the hope that travel's coming back. Keep the hope that there's still good people out there in the world. There's still adventures awaiting us. And keep the hope that, you know... Travel's not going anywhere. 
And uh, right now I'm hungry. I got to travel my way to the kitchen. So I'm going to end this video. Thank you for watching. Leave a like, leave a comment, all that stuff. <laughs> As always, I'm Dan from the New Travel Podcast. I'll see you next time.